And obviously, we talked earlier in the day. That's when we like you know set everything up. But then about like 15 minutes ago, we're texting back and forth. And and uh, James is on my list of people that. And I don't play the lottery. I do like to think about what I would do if I won the lottery. For the longest time, for friends and family, I was gonna play like deal or no deal. I was I was gonna run out like the top of the the uh, the key building and then just do like a deal or no deal and like have really high stakes in the deal or no deal where everyone wins still a life-changing amount of money at play. And you could have, like, one briefcase having 25000 one having, like, 150000 and this is their only chance. And then just have people just lined up, and then you can go ahead and play a game. And uh, it's almost, it's very Saw-esque of me. Like, want to play a game? Except this one will change your life because you're a friend of mine. That's fantastic. Uh, I, I don't play the lottery, though, so I stopped a lot of those dreams. But I was thinking about, as I'm, I'm texting back and forth with James, James would be in what my current fantasy of if I won the lottery would be, which is I would I would program a radio station. And it would be in Cleveland because I'm not leaving Cleveland. If I win the lottery, I'm not one of these people that's like, I'm gone and I'll never see Cleveland again. No, no, no. I would live right here in Cleveland. I would go nowhere. We would love it. But he would be one of those people I would hire for my 24-7, 365 radio station, which might not be great news for Sports Radio 92.3 The Fan, if I'm being honest, because I'm going to throw a lot of people a lot of money. And basically the idea would be is that you'd come work at my radio station because I want to hear your thoughts every day. And you'd come work at my radio station. I would pay you way more than you ever could have possibly dreamed of. And I would get all sorts of like big national guys too to then like come and move to Cleveland and do the local radio show because I would just pay them an insane amount of money to do this radio shows and the radio shows that would make me happy. I would basically become my favorite program director ever uh, because that's just it would just be everything I want to hear. And they'd all be talking Cleveland sports and it would be a riot to me. Now, it's a real problem in, in coming through with this whole entire situation because I work for the behemoth and the best sports radio station in the city in 92.3 The Fan. They might have a little competition. Maybe I'll just buy 92.3 The Fan and then program it that way. Maybe that's how that would work. I don't know. And then just pay the people that are already here at the radio station so much money that they would have an enjoyable time and then add pieces that way. Maybe that's what I would have to do. But James Rapine would be a part of that. And James is going to join us coming up in 15 minutes, okay? And because James is joining us, and uh, really, I wanted to talk T. Higgins out of the gate as it was, but it's set up perfectly to have James coming out in about 15 minutes to give us the lowdown on T. Higgins and whether or not this is realistic or whether or not we are just having a pipe dream, kind of like me winning the lottery, having a pipe dream with the idea that T. Higgins could become anything but a Cincinnati Bengal and on top of it could become a Cleveland Brown. I think what he's doing with the Instagram that sounded really old of me. The Instagram, I do that all the time. I'm like, hey, up there on the Facebook, as I am 34 years old going on 84, up there on the Twitter machine, on Instagram, on the social media channels, he is responding and he is making it known, following Browns players, responding to Deshaun Watson. It's not come get me. What I think is happening is clear at least to me, and I hope I'm wrong about this. I think what he's doing is appreciating the people that have upped his value and upped his worth. Let me take you back to last summer. DeAndre Hopkins, I believed, was not cooked, but I believed DeAndre Hopkins coming off the injury. I believe DeAndre Hopkins thought, I'm not worth 
X amount millions of dollars. The only way I get to be worth X amount millions of dollars is if someone drums up interest for me. And that's why Deshaun Watson at that golf course when he ended up doing the, uh, the, the speaking, one of the first times we heard him last summer, and he spoke so glowingly about DeAndre Hopkins, but he refrained from saying, bring DeAndre Hopkins to me. He did everything but call out, I want DeAndre Hopkins on this roster. What he did do was say, DeAndre still has it. DeAndre's a beast. DeAndre's this. DeAndre's that. DeAndre's this. DeAndre's that. And nobody believed him. I didn't believe him. I called that out immediately. I said he doesn't actually think DeAndre Hopkins can play. What he's doing is hoping that uh, a team like the Patriots at the time would pay DeAndre Hopkins $15 million, and then he'd go out there, he'd play mediocre, he'd cash his checks, and it is what it is. I wonder if the same thing's happening here with T. Higgins. I wonder if the Browns have a realistic shot of landing T. Higgins, but I also wonder if this is all just one big I'll scratch your back, and maybe one day you can scratch my back. But I'll take care of you. I'll shout you out. Not that T. Higgins needs to be shouted out the same way that DeAndre Hopkins does. T. Higgins is the very best free agent wide receiver if it gets to that point and he's not franchise tagged. He won't need help with the services. But what he does need help with is convincing other teams that he should be treated like a number one wide receiver. He needs help in convincing other teams that it's not necessarily Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow is the reason why he should be perceived as a number one wide receiver. Because if Deshaun Watson says it and then all his other buddies end up start saying it, maybe it just validates it just a little bit more. Because there's nothing the NFL loves more than groupthink around the NFL. Look at what happens with the coordinators and coordinator season. People get one whiff of Bobby Slowick being a mastermind and he's got job interviews left and right. Ben Johnson, same story. Group thinking the NFL works. Raheem Morris in Atlanta got that job, not because Raheem Morris was a great head coach previously. Go look at his record. He got that job because Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan called up Atlanta and said, you might be thinking Belichick, you're an idiot. This, this is the guy you need to hire. You can be influential in NFL circles the same way you can be influential in your day-to-day. If I go for a new job here at the radio station, does it help if everyone is in my corner, everyone that matters to my bosses, and they're like, hey, this is the obvious candidate. Make this guy the new guy for whatever role that is. Of course it helps. It helps everywhere in life. You go for a job yourself. There's references on the bottom of your resume for a reason. I believe Deshaun Watson was just helping out. I don't even know that they're friends. I know they got the the connection as far as college is concerned, although they didn't play together. I understand that, but I have no idea how well they know each other. Zero clue. But for my money, it just kind of looked and it kind of felt like, hey, you're you're part of the Clemson Tiger family. I'm part of the Clemson Tiger family. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to talk about you in a positive way and I'm going to make sure that the world knows. Now, I did think he was more emphatic about T. Higgins than he was, let's say, you know, DeAndre Hopkins last year. I thought that was kind of the attempt that I wanted him to put out there for DeAndre Hopkins. But what I like about this move, if it was able to go down, is I like that you give Deshaun Watson so many weapons that he can't fail. Cooper, T. Higgins, David Njoku, call it a wrap. And if that means Elijah Moore gets pushed out, then I can live with that for what it's worth. Everyone beyond Cooper, Higgins, and Njoku in this setup is fighting for their football lives on this team. Impress me and you can stay. 
We'll treat this like football squid games. Competition with high stakes at play. If David Bell doesn't want to be serving Dippin' Dots at Guardians games in the future, he'll get it together. I'm going to be cold about it. I'm going to be callous about it. But we spent so much money on the defensive side of the ball last offseason. Now it's the offense's turn to get a little piece of the pie. Now it's the offense's turn to go ahead. And I know they they spent a lot of money in the offense. I get it. But offseason, I need them to do a little bit more. One of the big problems I had in the early parts of the Deshaun Watson tenure here is that I thought the Browns, I thought they made poor statements on it then, and I believe they continued to make poor statements on it last offseason, and and we watched it never come to fruition. One thing they were banking on was the idea that Deshaun Watson would inherently make every wide receiver that much better. So the third-round picks, your Cedric Tillmans, your David Bells, would become that much better because Deshaun Watson can make a lot of people in Houston, especially that final year when he uh, almost threw for 5,000 yards, had 30 touchdowns, and led the league in yards per attempt, which has only happened three other times in football history. There was a lot of people on that team that are no longer in the NFL, and that was the only good year they ever had. They believed you could turn anybody, Elijah Moore included, into a great wide receiver just based off the talent and talent alone of Deshaun Watson, and I think they bet wrong there. Deshaun's good. Deshaun doesn't turn water into wine. Not at this point. In Houston, he did. Here, I don't think so. And so I think they have to come to grips to that. If this offseason is about having a sobering reality, and like a a real honest look at what the Deshaun Watson era so far has been through two years. This is not a tiny sample size. I know you turn around and Stavansky would be like, oh, he's only played 12 games with us. Well, guess what? I don't have 45 games before I can make a, a definitive conclusion. This isn't how this works. Sure, I wish 12 games was 120 games. It's not how this works. That's the same thing he did with the, uh, with the home road splits. It's like, well, small sample size. It's like, we're win week 17. How many? You can't ask for more of a sample size at this point. This is how this works and operates. Sorry you chose a sport that plays 17 games a year. I need them to have an honest conversation. And I need them to recognize that when you look across the NFL, so many talented teams have so many big-time weapons. And I really hope what's going on in Kansas City doesn't blind them to what they need to be focused on. You know, you're like, oh, Jonathan, Kansas City's got no receivers. And you're like, all right, who's their best receiver? Travis Kelsey. And then in back of that, and Travis Kelsey's a first ballot Hall of Famer, likely the best to ever do it. But I know a lot of you guys don't even want to count Travis Kelsey for some unknown reason. So let's go deeper. You're like, Rasheed Rice, the rookie. It's like, yeah, he's great because Mahomes made him great. Deshaun can't do that. Deshaun can't turn some of those guys into even what Rice is right now for Kansas City. But if you're going to follow the Patrick Mahomes blueprint, Stop following that blueprint. It doesn't work. There's only one guy that can follow it. Hell, Buffalo's been trying to to follow that recipe for years now. It's been Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and a bunch of garbage cans. And Gabe Davis, you can argue, might fall closer in line with a bunch of garbage cans as opposed to anything else. They have a couple nice tight ends. We have a nice tight end, too. His name is David Njoku. You can't follow that script. It doesn't work for Buffalo. It only works for Kansas City because Mahomes is one of one. You need more wide receivers. Follow the Bengals' blueprint. And hell, take part of their blueprint in the process. T. Higgins 
is absolutely fantastic. Duke Tobin, they're he's like the, with a head of player personnel, I believe, is his official title. Got one of those big fancy titles in Cincinnati. Here's Duke Tobin on T. Higgins. Last year, T. Higgins was under contract to us. He was a guy that we drafted for that reason, to be a contributor for us. He's not under contract now, and so we're going to have to work through how to do that and if it's possible. And we'll have to uh, go through the gymnastics of that. And so it's a different scenario than it was last year, trading a a high, high level player that's under contract just because the future might demand it. That's never really on my mind. We'll see what happens this year. I want T Higgins back. Everyone on our team would like to have T Higgins back. Again, there's one pie and how big of a slice that takes and what else we can't do because of it we'll have to determine and we'll see I don't think they were wrong in the bet they made in running it back one more year it was unfortunate for them that it was a year Joe Burrow got injured they didn't know that going into the year obviously you couldn't you couldn't make a decision on that you couldn't change that I would bet right now they franchise tag him but let's go to Cincinnati Let's find out. James Rapine, our buddy in Cincinnati, covers the Bengals for a million different outlets. He's going to join us when we come on back. The latest on the Bengals, how realistic is it that we could end up with T. Higgins here in Cleveland, or will Cincinnati actually franchise tag him? It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on a Wednesday on The Fan. All right, let's go out to North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Our buddy James Rapine joins us here on 92.3 The Fan. James, how you doing today? What's up, JP? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I uh, I want to let you know that I, I told everyone in the very first segment, if I if I won the lottery, I'm going to program a radio station. I'm going to bring in all sorts of people from all across the country and everywhere, and they're going to have to do a radio show in Cleveland. And uh, I said, you're on that roster. I'd pay you a ridiculous amount of money. You would just do radio, but you'd have to live in Cleveland to do so. Are you in? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Absolutely. All right, good. I'll, I love I, Cleveland. Yes. I mean, I, I you, you I, did live here at one change because I live in Cincinnati. Yeah, I, yeah, I love Cleveland. Okay, I wasn't sure if. Uh, I mean, I know you love Cleveland. No. The move that you're Mister Cincinnati right now. I don't know if my my big fat lottery paycheck could actually convince you to move and and take you away <laughs> from Joe Burrow and everything nice in Cincinnati right now. Cincinnati's glowing up big time. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it feels that way anymore after this past season. I think people are. Have have certainly changed. Anytime I I go the optimistic route of things, like there's one quarterback active, and maybe that changes in what twelve days, eleven days. Wow, eleven days. Uh, is Joe Burrow's the only quarterback that's beat Patrick Mahomes in the postseason when it mattered? And people really don't want to hear that right now because he can't throw a football yet. So we'll see. But <laughs> I mean, I I can imagine this year was not great to cover. The, the team uh, you had such high expectations and then you know it's I was good I, I think fans were just let out you know fans were yeah. just really bummed but to me it was a really interesting year because anytime you thought they were kind of out of it or done they rallied and even after Burrow got hurt when you thought they'd be picking top 10 and would be talking about the draft then they win three straight and are in the playoff mix until week 17 which is Pretty good because I've covered a lot of teams that weren't yeah. in the playoff mix for months going into, you know, go, going into Thanksgiving. So, well, the, and the Jake Browning thing was fascinating. I remember when he made his his first actual appearance, uh, the and like in the season, and he looked miserable. I, I think he got in there at halftime or right before halftime or something like that, and then he looked miserable up until the final drive of the game. 
and it looked awesome. And it was like, well, where did this come from? And I, I remember making a bet against him the following week, being like, that was just lightning in a bottle. And no chance he's doing that again. And then I believe it was the Steelers game the week following, and then he just he just went to town. He showed me some things. He was really good. Yeah, I, I think the, the the blessing in disguise of, of that, and they obviously don't make the postseason in that stretch and get a worse draft pick and all those things that you look at that the team in the moment they're not looking at and they don't care about. You have a backup quarterback now. That's decided, and he's going to be cheap next year. He's under control, and so the the Bengals did solve something that I think a lot of people didn't think they had uh, going into what week eleven or week twelve or whenever Joe Burrow got hurt against Baltimore. James Rapine joining us. He's got a million different jobs. That's why I didn't even know which one to say when he came in. Locked on Bengals, locked on NFL, Cincinnati Bengals talk on YouTube. You have a book that you came out with. What is, what is your preferred destination when you do these hits? My goodness. Well, you just named a lot of them. Allbengals.com is still <laughs> probably the, the, the leader. But, yeah, the, those, those other ones are there too, no doubt. I appreciate it. Oh, I like that you got a favorite. Everyone's got a favorite child. Whether they'll tell you who it is or not, everyone's got a favorite child. Uh, James, I would imagine – are you an only child or did you have brothers and sisters? Only child. I'm very selfish. I was thinking about that. I'm like, I'm sure I would have had that conversation with you at some point. Uh, you would have been the favorite. <laughs> you would have been what's dubbed as the golden child. Uh, but, yeah. Only child works for you. All right, let's get into D, uh, T. Higgins. I played Duke Tobin's comments from earlier today. I I don't know oh. what this means for the Browns, but let's get into the Bengals side of this first. Is T. Higgins going to get franchise tagged, or is there a real chance he hits free agency? If he if he hits free agency, then I, I don't know. I was going to say something off the wall that I'll do, but I'm not going to do that, so <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But, no, he's not going to hit free agency. They'll tag him. And they'll tag him because wide receiver is as valuable as it's ever been in the history of the NFL. And there's a reason why they'll look at it and, you know, Sauce Gardner tweets that T. Higgins should come to New York. And then Deshaun Watson talks on his podcast about, hey, family ties with the, you know, David Mulligetta. And look, I, I get all that. I do. I also think the Bengals will look at it. And there are a lot of other teams, by the way, that are in on him. The Jaguars would love to get T. Higgins this offseason. I think the Bengals will look at it and say, okay, we know how valuable he is, but the league wants him. And we don't know, like if you're Duke Tobin, you don't know when you're going to be able to replace him, how you can replace him. So I do think you tag him. The question for me is, are you open to trading him? Do you decide to trade him? Because it's kind of a one-and-done type situation. If you do tag him and keep him, that's the interesting part that I think the Bengals should be open to, assuming they can't get a long-term deal done. What do you think happens? I think they'll they'll tag him and keep him because we've kind of seen that before with Jesse Bates. My argument for like six months, I mean, I, heck, I, I, and I've said this on Lockdown Bengals, I told T. Higgins this before the end of the season. I said, I would tag and trade you if I didn't get a long-term deal done because he's, he's valuable enough to where I think you could call Carolina, for example, and say, we want the 33rd overall pick. You need a receiver. We're going to give you one. He's 25. He's proven he'd be perfect for Bryce Young. We want the 33rd overall pick. And Carolina would probably do it. And if they didn't do it, then I would go to Tennessee with the 38th pick. And then I would go down the line because I'm not sure you can get a first for T. Maybe you can. But I'm not sure you can get a first for him because you're talking about a franchise tag type of cap hit, $21 plus million. And then – a contract extension, obviously, if you're trading for T. Higgins. So I'm not sure if you can get that, like the A.J. Brown type deal. 
but I think you can get something close enough that would be worth trading him. So that's what I would do. I think they'll keep him if for this season on the tag. What what becomes of the Bengals' offense if T. Higgins isn't there? Let's say they do franchise tag him, they trade him, they get that 33rd, 38th overall pick somewhere in there. Are, is there worry that there'd be a drop-off? Because I, I can make an argument, and I know this would be more like a fool's argument, but I can make an argument that Joe Burrow at LSU had, what, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, which is obviously outstanding, mm-hmm. and then in the pros mm-hmm. has had Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, which is also outstanding. Sure. I think that, that those are the discussions you have to have right now. Because to me, if you think Joe Burrow needs, and that's kind of what you're asking, does Joe Burrow need T. Higgins? Would he survive all that? And I'm, you know he would. But if you think you're best with Burrow, Higgins, and Chase, well, then just sign to an extension. Pay T what, around what he's looking for and go to the guaranteed money and do it and build your team around the trio. There's no reason mm-hmm. not to. But if you have the discussion – and say, look, we don't have to invest this much in T. We can find it elsewhere, whether it's with the 18th overall pick, whether it's a, well, one of these other picks, they have the 49th pick in the set, uh, overall, their second rounder. If you think that it's wide receiver rich enough to, to find a, the, the solution there, or maybe you think Calvin Ridley will give you the exact same production at $8 million less, or whatever the case is, well, then go that route, or – maybe you don't become so wide receiver centric and you completely transition and you, you go to uh, a more explosive running game where you invest in that area, where you invest in the tight ends. Like I, I think they could go a lot of different ways. And that's why last year I was really big on Dalton Kincaid. I was really big on Jameer Gibbs mm-hmm. I, on these playmakers that don't necessarily fit what they've done recently, but they might've been able to turn to now. And so We'll see. I'm not sure exactly which way they go. I think they'll certainly invest in receiver again this offseason, and, and that could be early in the draft. All right, play with me for a second then. You, you gave me some good answers. <laughs> You're not really convinced that he's going to end up anywhere but Cincinnati, and if he does, sure. it's probably a, a team with draft picks, and the Browns don't really have draft picks, but play with me here. Uh, Amari Cooper, yeah. T. Higgins, and David Njoku, how well does it work? It works great because you have a big bodied downfield threat like T Higgins that can just go up and get it. You have the route technician in Amari Cooper that can just put opposing corners in a blender. And we saw that, especially late in the year. And then David Njoku had the best season he's had and is just a monster in the middle. And it's kind of a nightmare. And I, I do, I think it makes a ton of sense. I think that's, what they should do is continue to try to add weapons that way. The, the problem would be, you know, would T be available? But no, I mean, if, if he did hit free agency, I think the Browns should and would be one of many teams interested. And it does help. And here's the part where if you're a Browns fan, you buy into it because this matters a ton. And I know, JP, I know you know this. The David Mulligetta factor is very real. It's like the clutch factor when you, you hear – different players in the NBA tied to the Lakers right now or tied to the Cavs in the past. Guess what? If you're represented by clutch, it's, it's easy to see that path. Well, here it's easy to see a path where a David Mulligetta client could end up in Atlanta or end up in Cleveland, end up in some of those places where his clients have landed. So I, I would not be shocked at all. And let's be honest here, JP, if he does get tagged and plays out this year, that doesn't mean the Browns can't go after him next year. 
And and I, I think that's kind of where some teams should hope to be. Maybe not the Browns, but some of these teams that, that are hoping to get T. Higgins because you might be able to get him next offseason for nothing. And that's why if I'm the Bengals, I, I would try to trade him this offseason if you tag him. James Rapine joining us here on The Fan. How, how much has the offense changed without Brian Callahan? I know he doesn't call the plays, but we're kind of going through that right now with Stefanski. He's going to hire an OC. He did hire an OC in Dorsey. We don't know if Dorsey's going to call the, the plays or not. I would imagine he doesn't end up calling the plays. But how, go through that setup where you got the head coach calling the plays, offensive coordinator that's very well respected, respect enough to get a head coaching job, but didn't actually call the plays. Yeah, I think, one, it, if Dorsey was calling the plays, I think they would have already had to tell him that he was calling the plays. I'd be so surprised. Anyways, from afar, that would be it's my weird. No, Well, they haven't even officially hired him yet, so it's it's a weird situation oh. right now. Yeah, it's like a, like there's a lot that's still yeah. kind of in the balance about that whole situation. Like, does If it's up to Stefanski, I know this. If it's up to Stefanski, he's calling the plays. But, uh, James, just being honest with you, I don't know that it's up to Stefanski right now based off of what I'm hearing. Really? God, it, it just never – it's always something. Anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I wouldn't it be up to – anyways. Uh, look, I think losing Brian Callahan – A lot, lot of cooks in the huge. kitchen over there in Berea, James. Always, always, man. It's it's tough when there's so many cooks. I, I think as far as the Bengals are concerned and losing Brian Callahan, he's such a huge part of what they do. After their, their run to the Super Bowl, uh, I was talking with Zach Taylor off to the side at, at a pro day, at UC's pro day which is like two miles from the, you know, Paycor stadium here in Cincinnati. And Zach was like, yeah, really happy. We didn't lose the coordinators because they were kind of rebounding from a long season, much longer than they had been used to. And he's like, that would have been, whew, that would have been tough. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a good problem to have. And he, he's like, no, that would not have been a good problem to have, you know, because they had <laughs> success. So he was really, you know, excited to keep Brian and keep Lou at the time. And then last year, I think he thought and, and the organization thought they might lose both. And Lou was a finalist. Lou Anarumo was a finalist for the Arizona job. Callahan was in on the Arizona job and then a finalist for the Colts job. And he ends up coming back and they all come back. And so they were pretty prepared for Callahan's departure this year. Everyone knew Dan Pitcher was first in line for that. The timing worked out where you could promote him to offensive coordinator. So I think it, they're in as good of shape as they could be, but still losing someone like Brian Callahan, NFL lifer, you know, it's someone that really helped Joe Burrow, has helped this offense develop and grow. It, it is a big loss. There's no doubt about it. But I do think they're the most prepared they've been to lose their offensive coordinator since this, you know, since the Bengals got good in 2021. All right, James, tell people where they can find you the easiest and the best. And don't just say the internet because it feels like you're everywhere on the internet. <laughs> AllBengals.com, the latest T. Higgins updates. I, I will have tomorrow, I'm already planning, a percentage-based article, the percent chance T. Higgins hits free agency, the percent chance that the Bengals tag and trade him, percent chance they just tag him and keep him, all of those things. So if you're a Browns fan and you're like, hey, will T. Higgins hit free agency, you'll get the percentage on AllBengals.com. Also, the Locked on Bengals podcast, Cincinnati Bengals talk on YouTube. And you mentioned the rest. I don't want to bore Cleveland people too much with, uh, with my Bengal stuff. Uh, you're turning into a real Ross Tucker over there with all these different things that you have going on. Uh, James, I appreciate <laughs> you as always, and uh, I'll be looking forward to checking out your percentages tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks, JP. Appreciate you. All right, good stuff right there from my buddy James Rapine on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Amari Cooper, David Njoku, T. Higgins. That's like a dream scenario for me. 
And if I can come up with this and say that's a dream scenario for me, then I know the Browns have to at least be thinking the same things. What I love about Andrew Barry, Andrew Barry is from the Bruce Arians line of thinking, no risk it, no biscuit. He's very John Dorsey-esque, oddly enough. I know there's some crossover there, but really he learned how to become a GM under Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman's also one of those guys that is very aggressive, takes a lot of chances, and really has hit on some big-time players in recent years. Same type of thing. I mean, that's why we talk about the idea that a trade after a franchise tag of T. Higgins, not out of the question. Now, James, obviously, I I think James was – I've known James a long time. I I think he's very good at understanding – not only situationally what's happening in Cincinnati, but also the pocketbooks attached to Cincinnati as well. And if he says that they believe, or the directive there would be, you know, keep Burrow, keep Chase, keep Higgins, if you believe that's what makes them awesome and makes that team go, then I'm sure they'd find a way. My question on this would be whether or not you think that's what makes them go. I, I don't like putting it this way for Joe Burrow because I have in recent weeks argued that Joe Burrow is just as good as any player in the NFL not named Patrick Mahomes. My list is Patrick Mahomes, then Joe Burrow, then Lamar Jackson, and then Josh Allen. And really, Josh Allen is not really fourth. I'm just being kind right now because I don't want to throw Justin Herbert in there. Uh, New coach, new situation. We'll wait and see. If you believe that Joe Burrow's the goods and you paid him all that money because you believe in that, then it's a no-brainer. Then you believe that he doesn't need any sort of floaties to swim in the deep end of the pool. My worry on Joe Burrow has always been the idea that, you know, in high school, the man, his last high school game, he lost his state championship game. He famously cried at the podium, right? That was a very, it's a very memorable moment in Joe Burrow's life, but it signifies to me a kid not winning his state championship his senior year. How many great quarterbacks have you ever known to not win their state championship their senior year? And then he went to Ohio State, and at Boehm, you're the big Buckeye guy. What what years was Joe Burrow there? Was that the Urban Meyer years, or was there a crossover there? It was during Urban's year. Yeah, Urban. Urban, year. Urban right? Yeah. So like, yeah, he, he was backing up uh, Dwayne Haskins, and I forget. Was it also JT Barrett? That's right. That's exactly right. And and so you'd think in that moment that uh, you get a lot of chances, you know, watching him, pra- you know, practice on the sidelines, watching him throw. You'd think it all the time. He was there so long, Boehm. That he actually got that same Ohio State degree that you hold near and dear to your heart. Joe Burrow's got one of those as well. He was there that long. And in all that time that he was there, he wasn't able to sniff the field outside of anything more than a meaningless game or two in garbage time. You know, those guys impress on the sidelines. Those guys are really, really talented. And then they get promoted up. This is how this works. But he wasn't able to do that. So he went from his senior year not winning state to go into Ohio State and being looked at as an afterthought, to then year one at LSU, it really didn't even go that great. Year one didn't. It was year two at LSU when he had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase that all of a sudden Joe Burrow morphed into Joe Burrow. Won the Heisman, won the national title, and then he was on his way to the NFL. Year one, his rookie year in the NFL, no Jamar Chase. Still had T. Higgins, no Jamar Chase, though. He got injured, remember? And then year two... He gets Jamar Chase. They take him over Panay Sewell. Sewell actually turned out to be a really awesome draft pick for the Lions and starting in that development of that team. But he ta- they take him over Panay Sewell, and the rest is history, so to speak. But think about it. The only time we've ever seen Joe Burrow be awesome at football is when Joe Burrow's had, at least at minimum, what we all believe to be two number one wide receivers. Two 
Because I believe T. Higgins is a number one wide receiver. Deshaun Watson was out there in Houston doing it all by him, his little old self once DeAndre Hopkins got shipped off to Arizona. Uh, I mean, I, you can say what you want about uh, Deshaun Watson. One of the impressive things about his last year in Houston when he set those records and he, and he put all those big-time yards up was that he was doing it with a bunch of guys that are probably selling insurance right now. It's very impressive. And the Browns thought they could do that. They thought they could copy and paste that where they didn't have to spend as much on the wide receiver position. And Deshaun then, if they drafted guys, could develop guys and get guys to where they need to be. And the reality is, is that they're just not, he's just not able to do that. Go back to helping out Deshaun Watson. Get him back the pieces that will make it almost impossible for him to look bad. Dare the Bengals to try to chance this whole thing with Joe Burrow and just, I say just loosely, just Jamar Chase and see what the hell happens. Ideal scenario to me is you end up with T. Higgins and you put him in a position to succeed. I remember when I was a young broadcaster. I asked all sorts of people for opinions on on the business, right? That's kind of that was kind of my thing. I, I feel like that's why I'm constantly giving young people around the station advice, even if they don't want it. It's like it's like my way of giving back, but it's kind of like donating to a charity, and the charity being like, uh, "We we don't we don't really need this this money here. We we're making a lot right now. We're we're in good standing." It's like you're a charity. You don't need it. Yeah, we don't really need it. Sometimes I feel that way. I just offer up unsolicited advice to everyone around the radio station. Like you should do this. This worked well in my career. But when I was younger, I used to ask all sorts of people about different advice, right? And I'll never forget, I asked this guy, uh, you know, broadcasting forever, a guy been in the business for 30-plus years. He's one of those guys that his voice was so deep, it only made sense if he was like a chain smoker and he was not a chain smoker, just an unnaturally deep voice. And he, you know what he told me? He said, he said, go to stations where the talent pool is big and don't be scared to surround yourself with people that are great. A lot of people in my business, they don't like the shine to be taken away from them. He's like, don't, no, don't do that. Go, go be with talent. Go surround yourself with talented people. Get with people that want to be great and want to work hard. Surround Deshaun with talent. Get him around people that are going to make him better. Get him around people that love football as much as he loves football. Get him around people that have been in this league, that have been to big-time games, that have been in big-time moments, like Amari Cooper has been. And surround them with those type of guys, and it's only, you're only going to have the benefits of it reaped. Now, Brock Purdy doesn't care that Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey get all the love. Deshaun is the quarterback. Eventually, he'll get all the love attached to it one way or another. I don't think he's concerned about whether or not Omari Cooper and T. Higgins get looked at like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. If anything, I think he'd look at it like it's a compliment. Last year, I remember Mike Clay's ranking on ESPN. His ESPN ranking had the Browns the 21st wide receiver group in the entire NFL. If you would have asked them where they'd finish, I, I bet they'd probably finish close to 21st in the NFL as well. You got to get that a little bit better. You have to. T. Higgins is 25. He can grow with the Browns. We eventually move on from Amari Cooper down the road. You set up another one-two punch at that point then. He's clearly the best free agent receiver if he doesn't end up getting franchise tagged and they decide they don't trade him. You know, Mike Evans is good. I don't know that that's the right route because of age, and I would bet the Bucks will have something to say about it as well. Michael Pittman, Calvin Ridley 
is up there in age now at this point. I mean, there are possibilities. I'm not going to – if they go out and get Michael Pittman or they get Calvin Ridley, I might have a new gambling partner, but I'm certainly not going to poo-poo the whole entire thing. You think Ridley will get on some four-leg parlays with me and Gambling Jake? I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe he's learned his lesson. I'm not sure. Higgins is the perfect fit. Has only played in the AFC North. He knows what it's like in this division. He knows how to take on the Steelers. He's had big games against the Ravens, playoff games against the Ravens, where he's absolutely been awesome. Like Mike Evans, for instance, is going to get brought up a lot. Mike Evans grew up in Texas, went to college in Texas, played his pro ball in Florida. The man might be allergic to the snow, as far as we know. With with T. Higgins, even if it's a small question, like it is with Evans, we at least know that small question doesn't exist. There are so many different ways I can make it make sense, but I don't know whether or not the Browns are going to pull the trigger. Let me ask you, 216-474-092. When we have this discussion, does it get you excited to think about the idea that someone like T. Higgins could join the Browns, and then it's just a completely different world that we're living in? Instead of being 21st, all of a sudden we're top 10 as far as the receiving rankings go, and instead of being 21st and being talked about like they need upgrades here, oh boy. Would it be great if David Bell or Cedric Tillman or Elijah Moore came alive? We're like, no, we got the guys. We're good. It's going to be a lot of Njoku. It's going to be a lot of Cooper. It's going to be a lot of T. Higgins. Everyone else can fight for scraps for all I care. It would just be so comforting. You know, it's a, it was a weird thing that happened this last year. That Joe Flacco was so good. And Joe Flacco was able to make the best of Harrison Bryant, the best of Elijah Moore, the best of David Njoku. I mean, David Njoku was good with Deshaun Watson, but he took it to another level when Joe Flacco was throwing him the football. I don't know that Deshaun Watson makes everyone around him the best they possibly can be at this point. So you got to surround him with people that are going to make him look good. you got to surround him with people that are going to make him shine, that are going to make him look his very best. T. Higgins would be a big step forward in that. I know, I know. We're entering that part of the offseason where you get to, like, you're putting a, a list together for Santa and you're seven years old. Like, you get to come together with your your dream list, your dream scenarios. And for some of you guys, I'm getting the tweets in here at Jay Peterlin. You're yelling for Michael Pittman. You're yelling for Mike Evans. I'm going to yell for T. Higgins as long as Deshaun Watson goes on podcast and supports it. And as long as T. Higgins follows different Browns players and then becomes really vocal about the idea that maybe, just maybe, T. Higgins would want to make his way over to the Browns. I mean, as far as T. Higgins is concerned, I'm sure he'd love to stay in Cincinnati because Cincinnati's set up for at least an AFC title game appearance in the next couple years, you would imagine. And as long as Joe Burrow's the quarterback, you would think they would have a Super Bowl in line at some point in the next half decade. You would think getting past Mahomes seems tougher every single day, but you would think that would be on the table. But you'll have those opportunities in Cleveland if you're right alongside Amari Cooper and right there with David Njoku, and eventually one day the team can become yours as we eventually move on from Amari Cooper. Two one six four seven four to below 92. All right, let's leave that there. We come on back. Who exactly got to make the hire when it came to Ken Dorsey? What did Jason Lloyd say earlier today? And I'll tell you why it's not good news for Kevin Stefanski. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on The Fan.